Well, welcome to another episode of Off the Fence. Uh, some of you who watch regularly are like, wait a minute. Was, am I watching again the same episode with <laughs> Tracy? They're wearing the same clothes. What's, what's, so in conversations, we wanted to have a completely separate conversation with the same person. And what we want to talk about with you is something that I think people are avoiding. And so in this Off the Fence episode, we want to talk about death, mm. um, uh, end of life, uh, grief, um, and all the stuff associated with that. And we thought, you know, we all have opinions and I have experiences. I mean, my, I never thought about this when I was going to be a pastor. Like a part of the thing is, is really death oriented. Lots mm -hmm. of funeral, end of life, sickness, mm -hmm. facing the end kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, we would love a, a trained professional's perspective on yeah, how grief affects us and mm -hmm. how loss affects us. And so thanks for being with us again, Tracy. And, and, uh, and I think, I hope people listen to this whole thing, um, even if they're in the midst of, of facing death or end of life something. Um, I, my, our goal is with this is to help us have the, maybe ask the right questions that we should be asking, uh, going after the subjects that we should be going after that maybe um, we're avoiding. So mm -hmm. thanks for being with us. Oh, my so, pleasure. This yeah. is always so fun. Well, so let's talk about this. Okay. Um, how is... Death, the subject of death, all things wrapped around from the grief and all that. How is that affecting people? As you as you meet with people and sit with people, I'm going to guess you're seeing it affect people, but I'll let you talk to that and tell us what's going on in connection with people and death and grief. Wow, this is a heavy subject, but I I also think it's uh, it's such a great subject to talk about because there's just not a lot of spaces mm -hmm. where people no. are discussing this until it happens to them mm -hmm. or it's in, imminent. Um, mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, as a mental health therapist and a community, uh, you know, a kind of community organizer, I think death is is we deal with it in ways we're not even conscious of. Every person that comes into my office to deal with depression or anxiety or adjustment issues, I think there's always an element of grief and loss. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are are transitioning to a phase of life that they never anticipated. Maybe it's an illness mm -hmm. that they've been diagnosed with and they have to grieve sort of a lot of things, the life that they had and their dreams in the same way. Or maybe it's somebody coming in at, at, with a divorce, and there's that. Yeah. There's just an element of grief and loss in almost every type of work that I do. So I think, mm -hmm. in in the broader terms of death, um, we don't talk about it enough. So I'm glad to be here today to talk about it. I just see a lot of universal around death itself, our own mortality. I see people um, just like really, really de denying that, really dismissing that, really um, being what we would call resistant. As though it's to not thinking about so, it. As yeah. though, okay. As yeah. they're not going to face it or they don't want to face it. Yeah, I think Maybe it's both. both. I think um, I, I, I joke about this, but you know, the root of a lot of disorders or a lot of sort of terrible situations that humans find themselves in, I think, are sort of avoiding thinking about their imminent mortality. Mm -hmm. For example, I, I the middle, midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think you get to midlife, and when you have some things that are unresolved about mm -hmm. your dreams and what you thought you'd be doing, and there's some sort of conscious or subconscious thing going on that says, yes. hey, I might have only like 40 more years or 30 yeah. more years on this planet, mm -hmm. and I'm in fairly good health, and you know, I just don't know how to deal with this energy or this fear. Yeah. 
So you see people, you know, some people can lean into that and process through that okay. And some people can leave long-term relationships and they Mm -hmm. can, you know... I don't know, buy a sports car. I signed yep. a cliched, but yep. it it does happen. It's like people have affairs, people do things just out of this unresolved place of like, I don't know what to do with the idea that mm-hmm. I'm getting older and I can't control that. And what's at the end of that? Mm. Wow. Yeah. So if 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 I don't, if I if I put off thinking about death or my own mortality, what what's gonna start happening? Or what does happen to me? If I if I decide today, you know, I'm not talking about it. Uh, I'm not going to engage it. I'm not going to... What would you say as a therapist? Well, David, here's what might start playing out. I would say, David, if you started doing that, fear begets fear. Okay. It's always a spiral. So if you are afraid first of, you know, oh, it's another birthday. Or, oh, my hair is... If you're afraid of the natural aging process, nobody Mm. loves this. Let's face it, people. I'm getting my hair done right after this. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) There's a healthy level of trying to have an appearance. But if you have a real deep trigger or wound around Mm. elements of aging that other people Mm -hmm. sort of roll with, that might be a first sign that I have some issues with this. And and you might even have some old wounds around death in your family. Mm. Was there unexpected mm. death and loss mm-hmm. that never was processed? Okay. Was there suicide? Mm-hmm. That 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 even the association of that is 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 really really painful and wounding. Mm-hmm. But I would say fear begets fear. So if you are having those deep triggers and you don't deal with that and you don't come to a place to kind of process and talk about it, mm-hmm. everything that happens to you then triggers the other fear. Wow. And then you start acting out in fear. So what do we do when we're afraid or anxious? We either try to squash it, which okay. means we distract ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get mm-hmm. the affairs, we get mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. we drink a little too much okay. or we get some plastic surgery. But yep. and I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I'm saying when they're born out of an intense fear or yep. born mm-hmm. out of an avoidance, mm-hmm. we might start to distance ourselves from people who we've had history with. Mm-hmm. We want to reinvent ourselves, but in a terrible negative way. Like we are just avoiding mm-hmm. not feeling. Mm-hmm. We might also... Um, really be angry. We might sit in a lot of anger and rage and blame about unresolved things we never Mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. I'm at this age and I'm in this business. And if Mm -hmm. it wasn't for so-and-so, I would be, I should be doing this. Mm. We might be really critical about what we haven't done. Mm. I see that a lot. I see people Mm -hmm. coming in saying, you know, I have not lived the life I want to live. And I think that's not always true. Some of those negative thoughts come in and when you sit down and say, well, let's look at your life, you actually do find really amazing things. And most of the time, things that you did, you chose to do because Mm -hmm. you were at a turning point Mm -hmm. and it was the best choice. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't maybe your Mm -hmm. dream. So I would say it would be get fear and it could be a really painful, Mm -hmm. negative, critical way of thinking about yourself and your future. So I think I've been seeing the fear... um, as a pastor, so I, rem- I remember obviously as a kid attending funerals, uh, but then as when I was first becoming a pastor, being at funerals, leading through funerals, they are changing. And I've not been a lead pastor. When you look at the whole picture, I've been a lead pastor for barely, not even yet, 14 years. And I would say inside of the last 14 to 15 years, how people are grieving, I have seen a shift. Mm. And, what, and the best way to example it is more and more people are standing in the lobby than are going inside of the 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 room where the funeral service will occur. Mm. Uh, in addition to that, 
more and more people are attending viewings than are attending funerals. Oh, interesting. And so the viewing is a very controlled environment. Uh, for those, I guess, if people have not been to a funeral, viewing, in, in essence, it sounds a bit graphic. Uh, I think maybe the older term might be awake, uh, you know, but it's where you can go to the funeral home typically is where this occurs. And you can avoid, if you want to, getting anywhere close to a casket, getting anywhere close to um, even uh, crying people who might be around that environment. You can kind of stay on the outskirts. You can sign the book. You can say hi to some of the relatives, and then you can leave. There is no service part where you have to sit there and face it. You can you can come and go. You can You can literally be there, I would imagine, for three to five minutes and feel like you have done something versus a funeral where you're talking 30 minutes, an hour. What I have noticed is more and more people going to viewings, less people um, sticking around and staying around for the, I'll call it the awkwardness and tension and um, emotional, just all the feels Mm -hmm. while you're in a service. And so, and I'm, and I've been wondering, is this fear? Is this fear governing the lives of people going, I don't want to face that. Um, and, and, and more and more, fewer, fewer people are going with caskets and open caskets and going more towards cremation. And I'm not suggesting that, like you said, this, that's not, I'm saying that's all fear-based, but it's got me wondering because I see a change Absolutely. and I'm wondering what's fear doing to us? Because if fear leads me to not mourn, what's that going to do to me? And like, what's it going to do to someone if, if they're unwilling or, or they might consider themselves unable to mourn all that's going on, the loss, the, the confusion, the new version of reality, all that. Mm. So when you say fear, I think I, I, I'm reflecting going, I think mm. I see that. Mm. I think I see fear making decisions for us. So the fear of is now guiding to more, more stuff and mm-hmm. hurts. It hurts to see that in people's lives because they're unable to to grieve and celebrate and do all the things that you need to do in the midst of grieving. And some of that may be not having the tools. Like my grandpa, there were 12 kids in his family. And so I grew up going to tons of funerals because they were all older. He was one of the younger ones. And and I remember so many open caskets and so many viewings and then so many funerals. And so it was just something that we learned to process. And then when one of, we got married and after Hayden had a miscarriage and what I learned then was, there's a, you got to grieve that right then, Absolutely. but that never stops. But I had some tools from all of those funerals that I'd gone to before, um, and I still didn't know everything about it. But I think the fear too is it it changes things, but it's a process. It's not just a let's talk about this and then I'm good to go forever. Right. And I think it's a lot of work, and oftentimes we just don't even have the tools mm-hmm. either because we're we're in such depths of grief. Or because we just have never talked. It's one of those things in a family setting where you just don't unpack it because it hurts too much or it's too complicated or whatever. And then fear is born. Well, that makes me want to ask you, how long should it hurt? Mm. As long as it takes, right? Mm. It's so so personal. You just mentioned something too, and, and you as well, Katie. It brings up the other idea. When there is a death, 
it's not only what's happening with those close to that person who mm-hmm. died, but also the community that mm-hmm. wants to support them. For sure. And yeah. I think things have changed so much in that area too, because, you know, for, for example, if somebody's died due to the normal aging process, we used to have our parents living in our home. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in the Midwest, it was mm-hmm. like we had, yes. they, we saw them age, you know, it was, it wasn't until, you know, the last 50, 60 years that people were going into these long, you know, assisted living and long-term care. And there was sort of this separation from the person that yeah. that's mm-hmm. dying mm-hmm. where you were there kind of seeing it and witnessing it, maybe able more to accept mm-hmm. that natural death and because yeah. you saw it firsthand. Yes. yes. And then I think also what it means to be in community around somebody who has lost somebody, just like you said, mm-hmm. if you lose someone and you come in um, and want to work on grief and loss because maybe your husband has died, it, it's so interesting because everyone says the exact same thing. They say, you know, when the funeral's happening, right after this has happened, that's not when I was grieving. Mm-hmm. You know, we, human mm-hmm. nature, we have this shock period, yes. this survival yes. instinct will stick it. Like, I can literally not feel the depths of this right now because I need to get through some very practical things. Mm-hmm. I need to mm-hmm. take care of, you know, the funeral. I need to take care of the finances and whatever mm-hmm. happens. I need to reorganize myself quickly and practically. Mm-hmm. And then what we know about grief and loss is psychologically, when you get to a safe point, Mm-hmm. And that's individual, right? Okay. It's the person say, feels safe. Mm-hmm. They start to the emotional yes. grieving process. Okay. So at that point, it's funny how people respond to that, right? Because as humans, when we feel loss and we're also seeing someone die and seeing somebody go through the death of their spouse also triggers our own morality yes. stuff. Yep. Yes. So then whatever happens with you is going to dictate how you're going to respond, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. And we set up all these funerals and we do meal trains and stuff. But mm-hmm. I encourage, but I think what we need to really remember and normalize is grieving the loss of someone is is a totally lonely and individual yes. experience even with support yes and it's important to hear and i think people think like oh if if you just have enough company or enough gotcha. potato casserole or i mean i mean <laughs> right. i don't think they're that simple but right. but but i i really normalize for people that this is meant to be an individual mm-hmm experience this grief and loss mm-hmm. and, and often excruciating experience mm-hmm. and wherever you're at with it and whatever you're bringing, mm-hmm. we're going to process and deal with and however long you need. Mm-hmm. And you'll they'll come to me and say, well, they say, why aren't you over this? Uh, and I think oh. people are so well-meaning, right? Yeah. I understand. We, yes. we, but what are we doing? We're dealing with our own stuff. Look, mm-hmm. I, don't wa- I need you to be okay. Right. Gotcha. Because right. if you're you, okay, I feel better. Tell me oh, I'm you. okay. Uh, you know, and that's yeah. okay. Human, mm-hmm. We want that. Yeah. You know, I think that's partly too. One of the things I learned through ministry was stop asking people who have just had a baby or stop asking people who have just lost somebody mm-hmm. near to them. Just tell me, what can I do for you? What can I do? Right. And just start doing it. Just start doing Absolutely. it. Because that I think too is we, we're trying to fill our own, like I'm helping you. So I feel mm-hmm. better. And that helps me, you know, but, but recognizing that we're just going to respond and also be available to, but not like, Right. And we're not trying to dictate what that process looks like for somebody. We right. just want to be there to be available and to walk with and encourage. And because there, there's that two sides of it. It's the people that are really close to the loss and it's their village or people around them that want to mm-hmm. help. But sometimes we end up 
creating more harm. We do. <laughs> in our, or in or our at care. least sort of a sideways judgment that we never meant. Yeah. And then I think mm-hmm. people who are in the depths of grief and loss, you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she, she sort of pioneered the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And this in the, in the old days of therapy, you know, we had, it was... It, um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Mm-hmm. And the conventional wisdom was we moved through these stages and sometimes we got stuck in these stages. Mm-hmm. Well, now okay. there's different people that you guys can look up. Um, I think Worden is is one and Doka who talks about rituals, which I think is really cool. Um, but Worden says that it's more about the integrating of, it's more about, you know, first I must work toward acceptance that mm-hmm. this person is gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I must adjust to my life in without this person mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Then I must hold on to this person and mm. still have them with me mm-hmm. and be in the world yes. still being connected to the deceased. And so I really love that model. Okay. Mm-hmm. But of course there's denial, anger, yes. bargaining and and we just say this is a good way to sort of describe some of the feelings yes. and that and if you're stuck in one of those areas as a mm. therapist, I might really work with you on that. What is it about acceptance that's hard? Is it is it an old wound? Is it is it death? Is it your own death? Is mm-hmm. it is it regret? We often, mm-hmm. you know, when we lose somebody, the first thing we think about is what we wish we would have done. Yeah, huh. what we wish we would have yeah. said. Mm-hmm. Uh, we little regret kind of going through right. Right. So mm-hmm. I think there's that process that that we can expect and and we, and we would invite people to do that and I think I think you know how would you know if you needed therapy? Not everyone needs therapy when they lose someone. Okay. But a good way a good way to sort of think about it is and you can kind of help your friends when mm-hmm. when they're grieving mm-hmm. you can say you know if I'm here to listen. Mm-hmm. I'm here to talk. To, I'm just here to to listen and and to bring up the deceased person frequently. Uh, mm-hmm. That's another myth that we shouldn't talk about it because you know humans when we don't know what mm-hmm. to do we don't do anything. Right. We like we're like right. this. Yeah. yeah, we're standing outside of the funeral. <laughs> yeah, we're yep. like I'm dealing with my own stuff, yep. so I'm just mm-hmm. gonna stop and do nothing. But to reach out in faith and talk about the mm-hmm. deceased person and and bring mm-hmm. up memories is mm-hmm. is just wonderful because people feel so alone and they feel like people don't mention them and yes. like they say their life goes on and mm-hmm. I'm here grieving. Mm. It's it's a yes. very lonely. So I try to normalize that that alone process and how they can do that. But I would say if a way to talk about if you need a therapy after the loss of somebody is if it is causing you some severe depression depressive symptoms or anxiety symptoms that are impacting your ability to care for yourself, impacting your ability to function day to day and not back to the way you were, right? I mean, but if if that's a good sign that, you know, I bet I could use some help Mm -hmm. and and we'll gently kind of create some milestones for them. I think another really healing thing that we don't talk about enough and we don't do enough is is rituals. And this Mm -hmm. is why I like Doka's work because- You know, it is about making the internal, the emotional, physical, and external. Mm. That's what a ritual mm. really is, right? I love how you word that. Yeah. And and we are made to do that. Yes. We're just made yes. to do that, right? And in my religion and your faith, we do the same, we do the same thing every week because yes. it is a ritual that we call to. It's a touchstone. It it is it is important, and so one of the other things that I really love, and it's such an honor to walk people through this, is to do, to do these rituals with them once we've kind of worked through the the, the immediate mm-hmm. 
grief mm-hmm. and loss feelings, is we start talking about if they have regrets, then mm-hmm. we say, what do you wish you would have said? Well, how can we say that now? Yes. Uh, yes. You know, can we do the empty chair technique? Do you mm-hmm. want to talk this out with me? Do you want to talk mm-hmm. talk to the deceased? Do you want me to be there with you? Mm-hmm. Do you want to write a letter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then there's rituals around letting go. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I would have honored, I wish I would have known how amazing my husband was at his work and all the things he did. I just kind of ignored that. I just mm-hmm. never took an interest in that. Mm-hmm. And then hundreds of people showed up at his funeral and were telling me all these things. And I mm-hmm. felt so sad that I never honored him. Mm-hmm. Well, what's a ritual that could honor that? Could you create some sort of scholarship or something at his work? Or could mm-hmm. you could you do something to honor what you thought you missed honoring? And I think mm-hmm. that is so healing mm-hmm. for people. Yes. Yes. And it and it could be a number of things. It could be, you know, something different. But I but I I love walking people through that. Oh yeah, oh. I'm I'm a huge fan of rituals. Not just because I'm a pastor, <laughs> but I think uh, regularly. That's a big word. Regularly going through something, whether it's a call it maybe it's a worship service. Um, well, okay. Make it even like this is low hanging, regularly celebrating someone's birthday on their birthday. Mm-hmm. We all would agree, yes, that is special. That is, that's a regular, literally on the calendar kind of thing or anniversary. Like we all would say, yep, that's all necessary. We can't imagine telling someone, going, you know what, I know it's your birthday, but can we just skip this year and not really focus <laughs> on that? And we, I, we got some stuff to do. In fact, we might say that, yo, that happens, to, but. We would say this is good. Rituals are good, but we, but when it comes to death, rituals and death, I think you, you're giving us great wisdom. Don't mm-hmm. bypass that one. Mm-hmm. Don't don't remove ritual mm-hmm. because it could be a painful ritual. Mm-hmm. Don't remove that because that's a part of the healing process. Absolutely. Is that what that's? And yes. I would say as a pastor, yeah. Amen. Yes. Yes. Um, the amount of people skipping funerals, mm-hmm. um, saying, you know what. I, I, I'll stop by their house sometime. I'm telling you, like, no, like walk into that pain. I assure you that it will be healing for you. Mm-hmm. The ritual is not just some let's uh, be religious about it. No, there's a there's a meaning. There's a purpose mm-hmm. all behind it. Absolutely. All originally intended for us to, to do. And so I, mm-hmm. um, I, I would, I'll, as a, I'll put my pastor hat on and, and tell families, if you're going through grief and loss, if, if, if death has happened, be careful about how far you put that off. Yeah. And, I, and I'm seeing that become a trend now is, mm-hmm. you know what? We're going to get together when it's convenient, which mm-hmm. is so easy to continue to push down the calendar. Well, mm-hmm. let's wait for June or July or, or Which October. really in anything when you put it off just makes it harder. Yeah. Inevitably, more challenging. And I, I can, I, we went through a few years in my family where we lost a lot of people, literally like just within a few years and most of them very unexpected and tragic. And mm-hmm. um, I think one of the things I'm learning is I'm actually coming to a point with a lot of that to an appreciation for them. And not just in every time I think about them, I'm, I'm weeping hysterically and yeah. I'm grieving and I'm regretting. And, but it's more of a, an appreciation saying, Lord, thank you for the place that this person, the weight this person held on this planet and the influence they were in my life and how do I honor, how do I live out honoring them and, and showing gratitude for them? 
And, and, but that took going, my mom says, you got to go down to go up. Like <laughs> sometimes the thing that you want, you got to walk through the woods to get to the other side of it. And, right. and I, I am finding an appreciation, but I had to dive into it and be willing for the hundredth time to bring it up to David and go, I'm feeling so sad. Like I'm really having a hard day, but being willing to face it because I think the more, and we see that the more we put it off, the people in the lobby are the ones that in a couple of years, we're going to end up sitting with. Yeah. Because it's so heavy, and yeah. and they just they just don't want to carry it anymore. So they sit down and finally start opening it up. It remind it's actually I get the visual of like a child's room when they keep saying they cleaned it. Hayden did this this past weekend, where I was like, "Wow, that was fast!" And he's like, "It's all under the bed." <laughs> oh. But that but like for a visual picture, it's like that closet that eventually just explodes, and that's not good for anybody. But um. So our heart, like, I think so much of what we do is try to process with the people in the lobby. That's Absolutely. that's um, just to help people start, not to create pain or more pain, but just to lean in and go, um, talk to me about your relationship with this person or how are you doing or anyway. I, I just think that kind of stuff is important because the putting it off actually makes the load heavier and harder than it would be if right. you just, you know, walked in. But you need community to do that too. You need people to to walk in with you. Yeah, I tell. I think I probably told you. I, if I weren't a pastor, or maybe when I retire, or the church says we need a new pastor, uh, <laughs> I, I would like to. I would like to lead a funeral home. I would like to have a funeral home. Oh. And I, I, of all of the areas of life and phases of life and dynamics of life, uh, when people are walking through loss, there is an open heart moment and if if you if you go in and you're willing to grieve where you just you just have such the greatest relationships and friend conversations and mm-hmm. i i actually enjoy walking with people through not hey this is great your kid just did this and in, in their school that's awesome those are fun but actually when people are walking through what we would call valleys mm-hmm. where, where it's like this is tough and like and you said something that i think it's a question I get asked all the time. I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say to them. I don't know what to say to them. And you worded it as, um, no, I'm here to listen. Mm-hmm. And I think this, that I hope people caught that because it's not that you're going to say something. And mm-hmm. I, let me, let me give you insider training on being a pastor, how they train us as pastors. My, my dad, my grandpa, they've all been pastors. And they said, you, you don't go to give some profound wisdom because yeah. even if you got it, it's not going to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Go and listen and yeah. go and listen and go and listen and go and listen and just sit and listen. So, because I get asked all the time, what do I say? What do I do? How do I help? And it's like, be there mm-hmm. and use, use, use your ears a little bit more than, than maybe you even feel comfortable using mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Like just go a little bit further mm-hmm. and just let there be silence. Let there be space for this person who is hurting mm-hmm. to just say whatever mm-hmm. because they're wondering, can I say this? Mm-hmm. Is it okay to feel this? So as someone is processing death and loss and they're wondering, uh, what, what, should I, what should I do with these thoughts? How long should I have these thoughts? Am I hearing you correctly? There's like, there's no right. time limit. Yeah. It, and I think it, there's a misnomer, you know, I, it, it, I, some people want to use the phrase like 
the amount of love that was there, that's the equal of the time of the grief and loss okay. that it's going to take, you know, and I think that's somewhat true. I I think that it, it depends on how you were, if you have old wounds that mm-hmm. are being triggered by this, mm-hmm. how well your family mm-hmm. of origin did death, you know, do we talk about this? Did we, did, is this a part of life? Was there a lot of normalizing? Mm. Um, and, and then there their sort of support at the time is appropriate and supportive and not mm-hmm. judgmental. Yeah. I think it can take a while. I mean, mm-hmm. I I try to normalize with people to, you know, the first year is often very, very hard because your body keeps score, right? Even subconsciously things like when the seasons change and the first anniversaries of everything will be uh-huh. happening that year. Yeah. And so those are often really good times mm-hmm. that I encourage um, the support people to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the deceased's birthday, different things. The Christmas, all the holidays are super, super hard generally. Mm-hmm. And so after that first year, we should start to see a little different reorganization. You know, okay. we should we should see some improvement in grief feelings, but it is really gradual. Mm-hmm. And there just isn't a big timeline. Yeah. 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 And I, I think I think we can take a lesson from that. One of the things I do is I usually meet with our cli- uh, clients who are going through grief and loss. We usually actually schedule a session close to the year anniversary. Okay. And one of the things we do, just kind of depending on where they are, we'll be working on our rituals and things, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I invite people, and this is a good thing to think about, I think, now and reflect in your own family. Um, It's it's what is it from this person's death now have Mm -hmm. I learned? What Mm -hmm. is it changing about my life going forward in a positive way? And usually at that time, they're at least sort of able to start talking Mm -hmm. about that. Because that's another thing. When we go to a funeral... You know, I think we should be talking to our kids about why, what happened, this person died and, and where they're going, you know, what our faith, you can reinforce your faith, but you can also say this, when we read, you know, we talk about glowing things Mm -hmm. about the deceased person, right? We talk about their life and what they did. And it's a wonderful place to reframe your own life. Mm -hmm. It's if instead of reacting in fear to reframe those funerals as a wonderful place to say, I am here. Mm. What is it that I need to do? Mm-hmm. What what can I go out and change mm-hmm. and be that I don't want to regret, yes. Yes. that I don't want to look back on my life and say? And and I think those community events are just should be very reframing. We should talk to our kids about death in a way that's not scary. We should talk about it just as a part of yes. life. We yeah. joke about it. It's kind of kind of morbid, but you know, um, and I, and I think about in the old days, you know, in like medieval times and times where we weren't so privileged and mm-hmm. scientific and modern, and we died much sooner and much more unexpectedly, right? And yep. so we had we it was a part of life truly. Like mm-hmm. it, it was so ingrained in us. Mm-hmm. I I read this story and I have often thought about this, although I think my clients might think it's weird. <laughs> but the old saints used to actually have skulls on their desks. Mm-hmm. They were human skulls, which is a little macabre. Wow. I mean, I think I would just get like a little ceramic cute one. <laughs> but they had them there to remind them as they were working. Hmm. that death was always at hand and uh, that the end was coming and that we should be spiritually prepared mentally and emotionally prepared that that if and and what am i doing today is it important enough when i look yes. at the skull yes should we get some skulls on our desk i, I mean you're is that speaking what we're, my language do we need to Katie get each other <laughs> i no i talked to katie i was like i was like because of how i think yeah i've actually been like i, I was like i want a skull tattoo and she's, and, I, and we were talking, I was like, but I also don't want to 
be the pastor that scares people when they're like, <laughs> what what in the world do you have on your arm? Like, you know, so you got to tell the story to everybody. Right, yeah, yeah. And I don't want, or and wear I a shirt that says, you know, and I'm a kind, my personality is like, I don't want to have to tell the story to everyone that, <laughs> yeah. that you, you know, I don't want to create a story that, anyways, but no, because what I have learned about death is it is sad. It is painful. Even to talk about it now, I can, I feel that pain. Mm-hmm. I, I know that, but I also know I want to, I want to work in that mm-hmm. I, totally. because I know that, it's you know the the classic movie like there's there's a beauty in the tragedies there's learning there's growing there's Katie and I do a walk regularly and they just uh, recently did a prescribed burn you know they burned all the all the grass all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and so we've walked by it now regularly now it's as green it's it's far more green than it was yeah. pre burn and I'm like that's absolutely that can happen and so for me death is yes sad. Um, heartbreaking, um, tragic, all that kind of stuff. But I also have other words in that same bucket. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's it's growth. It's, um, yeah. So, it's reframing. So, well, yes. some yeah. of it though is, I, I think too, preparing, just like anything in life, preparing for it before it's the crisis mode. Right. So having tools and being intentional about learning about it before you're in the, mo- like trying to cram for a test by like putting the book on your head, you know, 10 minutes before you take it. And I think that my growing up did so much to mm-hmm. help me because when you talk about some of those ancient cultures, they did such a good job at being, I, I know there was one that I was reading about where they put somebody on like a raft and just kind of mm-hmm. sent them into the ocean. But all of it was intentionally moving people towards the accepted, going through yeah. the stages and the processes and then kind of sending, I don't recommend that we do that. But I think that so much of it is even doing the work before it happens so that we're not trying to learn something right. and put something else on ourselves while we're in the middle of it. And um, even even doing that so that we can be better supports for people when they do lose somebody. Well, you, you probably can't see it on camera, but to Katie's right is a jar full of marbles. Um, He's lost them in there. Yeah, that's, where I, that's, where I, that's where they went. <laughs> um, uh, I haven't updated it like super recently, but technically that's the amount of weeks I have left in my life. And that's, wow. and that's been on my, my desk for a long time, but we moved it in. We thought off the fence should have it in here that basically it represents. So I had gone through a routine for a while. It's, it's in here. It's not my office now, but where I would at the end of the week, take a marble out and be like, wow. was that worth it? Did Powerful. I, did, did, did I, and some people will do it for each day. Um, that was too big of of a marble jar. Into a We're going to start small. Mar- start marbles small. are far more expensive than you think they would be. Uh, I was like, I can do weeks. I can do weeks. We'll do weeks. But I don't think death has to be morbid. So let's mm-hmm. end on this. On mm-hmm. So uh, what can someone who isn't currently facing death right now, isn't currently like in going to a funeral, facing all this, what, what therapist wisdom would you offer? Say, you know what? Before you're even facing this, here's what you should consider thinking about or doing right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would just start by taking any moment that inspires fear in you around your mortality. Maybe you visited your aging mom and you're really worried and you're seeing them. Maybe it was just some twinge. I would take that moment and and reclaim it. Take mm-hmm. that suffering and redeem it and say, what do I want to do differently mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. life? What can I give back? What is my purpose? What if I was writing my obituary? 
what would I want to change? Mm -hmm. And just take those little moments and bring awareness to Mm -hmm. it and bring not in a morbid way, but in a way that redeems that fear. What can I do as an action or what can I do actively to change? Beautiful. You're always a blessing. You oh, really you are. You guys are a blessing. Thanks so for uh, being a regular guest. Oh, anytime. <laughs> on the, off the fence. <laughs> anytime. Uh, if you're listening and watching and you've got more questions, maybe this has prompted a, a fear or mm-hmm. it's prompted something where you're going, I I need to process some of this with someone. Um, you can easily find Tracy's info uh, on the internet um, or you can text us and we can link you up at 605-250-1224. But uh, thank you so much for watching and listening. We love you very much.